Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, on Good evening, evening everyone. This is Stephen Louch here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Tonight's show is brought to you live from the towers of Strathclyde University. Mm-hmm. Make sure I get the right one. Wrong one to panic, sorry people. Um, we have a very deep topic tonight, looking through the history of women's wrestling, mostly in the American scene from roughly 95-96 through to well, for lack of a better term I'm describing as when they started taking it seriously in NXT. So we're going to go through quite a lot, but before I start, I will introduce the rest of my panel I have here. I have my executive producer to my right, your usual host, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Hello, hello. <laughs> to my opposite corner, on the far right, I have Kirkcaldy's Finest, a man who's a favourite of any kind of lino discussion, if you ever see oh, a show. Oh, superb. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. <laughs> I, I know my five. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. And over immediately opposite, we have a newcomer to the studio tonight. We have uh, a wonderful Jamie, who is a female trainee at the PBW school in Airdrie and is in to give us a female perspective on some of these years of wrestling. So, hello, Jamie. Hi. Um, um, I'm just a... I'm just a trainee, remember? I'm not a female trainee. Sorry, I do apologise. That's my first slip and slip in the rest of the evening. And to the side of Jamie, while I re- recover my uh, composure, we have another newcomer, and Gary Kernan. Well, Gary, introduce yourself. Hi, folks. Thanks so much for inviting me along this evening. Thanks, Gary. And final, last but not least, we have uh, Ross McLeod. I didn't realise this was live, so I'm just trying not to swear. (laughs) (laughs) We try to release these shows as being completely unedited, um, without any uh, interaction, etc. So if you can try and keep the swears to a minimum, or to at least to a 5.30pm audience, you can say flip, but nothing greater than that. (laughs) So... As I said at the beginning, that we're going to be looking at um, some of the earlier errors of what most of our age range of fans have looked at as being uh, women's wrestling. There's been some high points, there's been some low points, there's been some bits that some of us have had mentioned before we came on air that some of us as parents wouldn't let our children watch. So we'll discuss some of that as we go through. But it is just to look at that era and the way that I put together tonight's agenda is to look at the positives. There was a lot of uh, women in there that really put on a show, could put in a lot of effort and could stand their own ground against a variety of different opponents. It wasn't just the TNA era of um, flashing and evening gown matches and that sort of activity that went on. And so when I look at the, as my age as a fan, I'm 34, so when I was watching the first sight of a woman really in WWE was the likes of Miss Elizabeth and Sherry as managers. But we weren't really involved in the action. You'd maybe see Sherry kicking someone on the outside. Then you would move on to uh, Sonny and Sable with the pinups, who then probably played a lot more on sexuality than we've seen in earlier eras. And then 
Sonny disappeared through a variety of reasons, which I'm sure are covered in a many other podcasts and books and formats as we could look around the world, and some don't Google Sonny's problems. Certainly not at work. It's like, she's got a Patreon page, and it's basically paying for selfies. It's yes, disturbing. It, 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 it's, um, it's selfies she puts on her Twitter. I have seen that, and I'd, again, I wouldn't advise Googling it, because some of the people she's getting selfies with probably shouldn't be allowed outside. <laughs> um, but So she had a variety of issues and then disappeared off, and then it went to uh, Sable became quite a feature. And... First time Sable had a match was at SummerSlam 98. It was a mixed tag with our mystery partner of Edge and they faced Mark Merrill and Jack One. Any of the panel remember watching that at the time or since? <laughs> I remember Capital Carnage 98 or something like that. He was with Christian, but I don't remember the Edge one. So, um... The premise of that match was around that it was a mystery person and Edge didn't really have a direction at the time. So it just turned up and became the partner and there wasn't really any mix that came around after it. Um, but again, it seemed to be... She looked very capable for what she was actually doing. Although it wasn't much. They'd done the small things very well. I, I do remember the match and I remember at the time... I, I I'll probably be one of the only people that will ever admit it, but I really liked Wildman Marrow. No, no. <laughs> and then I thought they were a really good pairing. And I remember when he went out injured, there was this weird segment at a King of the Ring tournament where Sable just kind of pushed the fink around. He was in an inflatable chair. <laughs> yeah, and she pushed him around, and the audience loved it. And then... Marrow came back from his injury, Sable was a far greater star than he was at the time and that led to the eventual parting of the two of them and I remember the lead up to the match and you were absolutely right about Edge at that time, he was just completely directionless so got actually got a real rub from being aligned with her at the time. Yeah, and it was one of the first times we've seen the woman as being the one in power because she was the one using her sexuality and power and popularity against him as a heel and he was as he was her husband at the time, playing the fall guy for her and making her look great. Um something I missed as I was just starting off there is well we had that era of before we go into that kind of almost TNA era, um there was a bit of uh, across um the Pacific Ocean in Japan at the time, there was all Japan women's who were running some of the shows with like thirty thousand plus in attendance and like five million gates and some of the cards they were putting on are often said in some of the greatest wrestling um, pay-per-views of all time. It's not something I've seen myself but it has been one of the things whenever I see this list I'm like, oh, I really need to go back and watch that. Um, has anyone watched any Japanese wrestling? Not the women's wrestling, no, but even today what comes like, was it Stardom? I think Shimmer's another one, so it's still obviously, they're John Big Gate still as well, it's obviously still something that's pretty prominent over there. Yep. Like all women's show. Same with the Women of Honour as well. I don't know how what this makes. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to go as close as you can. Uh, I, the Women of Honour shows as well, like mm-hmm. Ring of Honour running female specific yeah. shows. Like, yeah. Is there no Scottish all-women promotion or a British one? Fierce. Fierce Sorry. females. Fierce females. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't remind the name for a minute. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so, as I was going to go through, it's just more, I said, I don't want to go into great detail in a lot of the rest of the 90s because it did mostly become 
mud bowl matches, brand panties matches, um, any kind of Halloween battle, bunnies battle royal for Valentine's Day. It was all very filler, and, and I know from what we'd said about um, before the show started, Gary, you said you watched some of that back, and as a parent, you look at it differently now. Yeah, absolutely. My my daughter, she's eight years old. She's really got into WWE recently. Really, she tends to show an interest in pretty much anything that I like. So she starts watching wrestling with me, and so happens starts watching it when you've got Sasha, Charlotte, Bailey all appearing on Raw and having great matches and having really long matches as well. So she got really into it at the time and watches lots of things back on the network and we were at WWE, at WrestleMania back in March and at Fan Access and she went to meet Alundra Blaze at it. So when the documentary got released, she was going, she was keen to watch it. Yeah. But I watched it back, I watched it first before um, before I decided whether or not it was suitable for her to watch and decided actually it wasn't. Not not much because of you know what she was saying on it, but she, there was a period of the documentary that folk remember have seen it. She reflects back on being forced to do matches like that, uh, particularly in WCW, I think it mm. was. And I didn't want to have to explain to her why this really you know this Hall of Famer that she was looking up to was wrestling in her underwear. So I I decided she didn't, didn't watch that. But now looking back on it, whilst it was perhaps a lot of fun at the time as. Um, watching some of this stuff looking back on it now <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. feel the same way <laughs> yeah I know and it was the era of they were pulled out for segments so when I was thinking back my memories were mostly in that vein it was things like they would get Terry doing um, interviews where the, the, most, the point of the interview would be a cleavage or looking mm. up a skirt or something like that and it was never a 20 minute segment with women on it it was always oh let's create something of a buffer I remember the mm. uh, just as you mentioned Terry there it was I think it was when she was managing the Hardy Boys I was watching Sunday Night Heat on Channel 4 uh, Mum was in the room as well part of her time trolling you saw her like lift up on top Aye. and I was like Jesus looked around luckily Mum was reading the paper at the time but thanks <laughs> spared any embarrassment there but. does anybody remember the tournament they had and the win of the tournament was to get to, uh, to get Terry as the manager and I think it was oh, the yeah. Hardy Snedge and Christian mm-hmm. and it was called the Terry Invitational <laughs> Tournament T-I-T <laughs> and you can put that together yourself people <laughs> if you look if you look past what we're fighting for it is a good ladder match to go back and watch just the fact that a woman's on the line <laughs> uh, women and uh, there was an amount of cash but it wasn't a terribly high amount it was something like 5,000 or 10,000 pounds uh, dollars at the time mm-hmm. uh, but it did set them up very well it gave them a focus at a the time then but again the focus was on the guys in the wrestling and they probably got a bit of a rub at the time from um, Terry there so this was pre Judy Bagwell and a pole match, but nobody ever talks about this, do they? No, they'll definitely not be discussing that in today's agenda. She's <laughs> a former tag team champion. So. <laughs> a revolutionary woman in wrestling. You make a fair point, but unless you've got 15 minutes on it, we're going to move on. <laughs> so, some of the others around at that time, though, that started to hold um, a bit more get a bit more of a wrestling and were more of an experienced hand with the likes of Ivory and Jackie. Um, in terms of 
them the book came because Jackie came up from the Memphis territory and as often I think it was a JBL in her hall of, it was a her hall of fame speech someone's hall of fame speech anyway it was, um, it was talking about like she's the toughest person that he's ever mm. been around or had anything to do with um, is there any memories of anyone from that time remember when she had a brief spell in WCW where she wrestled Disco Inferno it was actually quite a good match um, I think it's fair to say she's maybe, maybe on the first on TV anyway in America to be shown like wrestling the man as well. So. And it's something that Disco Inferno apparently still holds a grudge yeah. to <laughs> um, to this day. Didn't Disco Inferno get pinned by a baby? Like he get pinned by Maxwell Hardy. <laughs> was that not Spud, I think? Not uh, Spud on TNA but in the Indies uh, Disco Inferno did it as well. <laughs> He'll put over a baby but he won't put over a woman. Which <laughs> just shows some of the problems that the women faced in this era and time <laughs> which is why I'm Try not to concentrate too much. So some of the other things we've seen at that time was Ivory in the uh, right to censor, mm. um, showing a different side there. Um, that led to them moving to close down some of the more controversial um, parts of the WWF product at the time. So the Godfather lost all these wonderful ladies of the evening. Um, <laughs> they became a thing, and then they were disrupting the type of matches that we discussed earlier about what was there. So. Moving on from them, um, was one of the first revolutionary females that came in that looked completely different to me anyway, um, was Lita, who emerged with, um, it was originally with S.A. Rios, yeah. and they were a bit of a, a combo together. So I just wanted this time just to talk through the panel, just going to go across with everyone, just talk about memories, just Lita in general, um, what you remember from then, or any kind of standout matches and things like that as well. So, just going to start first with, with Ross. Uh, I think the most memorable one was the. Can't remember. Was that Hurricane Ross? No. <laughs> no, she gets speared. She gets speared at WrestleMania, and it was like the worst, the worst bomb I think I've ever seen. She took it right through. I think it was two tables. Aye, uh, that, uh, was that during the TLC, TLC one? Aye, because she she ran in, just disrupted the whole thing, and then. Took a bump, I think. Well, I could never take it. I'd, I'd done three wrestling training sessions and went, this isn't for me, so, you know, <laughs> fair play to her. And then, obviously, the, the main event with Trish as well, the first ever women's main event. Yeah. For me, you mentioned Ivory and Jacqueline a, a moment ago, and for me, Lita, in some ways, reminds me a bit of them. I don't think Lita, like Jacqueline and Ivory, get some of the credit that she truly deserves and I know in the yeah. first time Lita will probably get recognised more fully if you think back at the time when Lita broke into the scene and particularly the headlines in WWE there was nobody like her she was yeah. really unique in mm-hmm. every way you could uh, imagine she was different to everybody else on the show and she did things that nobody else was doing at the time you mentioned the Hurricaranas a moment ago. There was I don't think any other female wrestlers that were doing that at the time. And she was taking bumps, she was taking chair shots that certainly no other f- female wrestlers at the time was taking. So she did a lot of stuff that was really unexpected. Yeah. And Jamie? I totally agree with what was just said. Um, it's not only that she was doing stuff that females wouldn't do, she was doing stuff that men wouldn't do either. Mm. She's one of the first women that could like keep up with the men so like a big opportunity I think was missed was her versus Jeff Hardy should have been a thing just all the top rope spots you could yeah. have had it yeah. would have been amazing uh, she didn't get the credit she deserved like look at her retirement match 
Trish got to walk out all, all her yeah. glory and Lita got shown to be one of Godfather's hoes, uh, basically. A variety of interesting objects were inside our bag oh, yeah. and found out. I think it was, was it crime time they sent out of it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, it certainly, because it was, it was quite surprising to me when you talking about the retirement, so it was surprising to me to see that Trisha's retirement was actually 2007. I was like, that's 10 years ago, and I'm like, I'm yeah. really old. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing about Trish is, uh, not Trish, sorry, uh, Lita is, for her look, like people then would say she had like a very slutty sort of look, she was the first woman that I would say was fully clothed. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she had yeah. the thong true, above. Yeah. Like yeah. Her, but she had cargo trousers on. Yeah. She had a vest top <laughs> on. She was fully clothed. She wasn't there for her look. She was there because she could do yeah. what she was there to do. Sorry, but you got to come back in there, Ross. No, I was just... I was <laughs> getting ready for next time. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, it was uh, when he was saying about bumps... When uh, Jamie was saying about bumps and chair shots, now that the one for... Steve Austin, Triple H, when it was a two-man power trip. Yeah, like 12 shots or They absolutely <laughs> let it in. Yes. Like, although, you know, although they were saying, like, oh, women were getting forced to, you know, dress up in these stupid costume contests. Yeah. That's something you need to ask in advance. Like, we're going to hit you with this chair 12 times, and it's going to be as hard as we can. And it's the top star in the company, so nothing's going to happen to you if you get injured. And she just went, you know, all right, let's go for it. It was so, very like, fair play. Yeah. Nathan? Uh, just adding from what the panel was saying, yeah, I remember um, it's going to fit perfectly into the whole Team Extreme dynamic with Matt and Jeff, and I think Jimmy made a good point about having a match with Jeff Hardy. I think that would have been really good to watch. And a spot they could have had. Yeah, I think from what we've all said there, it's probably quite obvious as to why she was the first female to have to have neck surgery. Um, yeah. <laughs> the amount of things she was doing, um, the human body's not really designed to do these type of things um, and she was flipping them out from every episode of TV that they were on to getting involved in the TLC matches and then matches of her own. I think she actually, I think the, the end of injury actually came out a music video or a TV show that they were taping that she'd done something but there's obviously that wear and tear there mm-hmm. um, that led to the damage that caused her. So she certainly was someone because um, she came in originally, she'd had a run in ECW mm-hmm. um, Playing a more morally corrupt character and miss, uh, it wasn't like congeniality or something like that. Um, but basically, a bit of a college woman who enjoyed herself. The Germany uh, matches in ECW was it just? I think she did. Um, I've not done. I'll put my hand up. I've not. not, not I've just that was just something that came from memory. There is <laughs> where she came from. I don't know. She was in ECW. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, it was a brief spell. I can't remember who it was. It was someone lower in the card that she was involved with. Um, and then moved on, um, and then onwards to WWE, and then moved on. And she was one of the first as well that rejected Playboy. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't want her fans to see her in that way, um, so that she could be that person that they could. That uh, I can't think of a better way to put it, but that the kids could dress as her for Halloween, mm-hmm. and they could go out and go, "Oh, I'm probably getting in trouble for the underwear being a show." But um, <laughs> it was something you could get the cargo pants, you could get a crop top, and um, you could colour your hair, and it's someone you could then see as being someone that you could grow up to aspire to be. And that's how she's seen herself, and then went on in her career. She had the first uh, said earlier about the first Raw main event. Um, can I, I'm kind of guessing here, but I think this was it not special guest referee was the Rock in that as well. So it was very. Star power, maybe so another one. No. Remember one somewhere? No, that was that was when she beat Stephanie. 
Right. Don't aye. know if it was the main event, but she that was because uh, the Rock was a guest referee because was it not the corporation at the time the McMahon Helmsley fashion. Yeah, the regime. Yeah, actually, aye. Yeah. Uh, they were basically constantly interfering, so the Hardys were on the outside and the Rock was on the inside to make it fairer. Right. I think, ironically, ended up fast count, I think, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember a Rock Walton with some kind then uh, going in, but it's, it certainly deserved a spot there. Um, mm. But then, sadly, it was quite a long time until we've seen that repeated. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's not even that. Like the, the Trish Lita main event was the focus. You know, it was two women as a focus. Yeah. The focus of the, you know, the, I keep forgetting her name, Stephanie. Yeah. Stephanie Lee, I main event was the continuation of The Rock trying to get yeah. back at the regime, you know, it was building up Rock Triple H again. So it was obviously, it was a while before we got them as the main focus. Yeah. And then as Lita's career went on, she had the time out with the, the neck surgery. Um, then she came back and there was still a good few years of wrestling there. Um, and then looking around, I've not seen very anyone, anyone want to jump in with any other matches following that that they felt stood out to um, or the next thing I had down to talk about was her unceremonious retirement which we touched on earlier on I, um, I'm still not okay with that, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be to me anyway, it felt like it was um, a following from um, the kind of like the rated R thing and it was to build her out as being this kind of sleazy character um, Follow on from um, the revelation about her edge, and then they built a really good storyline yeah, from it, and probably it really helped Edge get over. Mm-hmm. And then we went back down the slope again with the live sex celebration, <laughs> which I've not seen a champion perform before or after. Um, probably wait, for good wait reason. Wait till gender wins on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> those sing. Oh, gender man. Those. Oh, right. Those sing brothers are in for the time of their life. <laughs> He doesn't know the room. Right. I thought it'd be safer, David, not here, but... <laughs> <laughs> we had a discussion on Monday, is that this will probably be the only one where we won't be able to mention Jinder Mahal in some yes. form. And somewhere, oh. David so Hockney is, is sitting... No, let's just move on from... Right. No, no, just, instead of messing up and swearing, I've messed up and mentioned he who, who, he who yes. shall not be named. Yes. Um, so, somewhere, he's just stood there and his, his eyes went up to the light and went... Someone's mentioned gender on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Before he hears any more and has a small corner in the... Um, so it, it was... From what we were talking about there, yeah, it, it wasn't the most um, acrimonious leave for Lita. Um, again, we'd seen the wonderful Trish retirement match. And then we'd seen Lita up and go. And it was crime time with a bag full of various items that made her look very ill repute. And... I'd say since then they've changed it and she's now seen as one of the true legends with her and Trish seem to be in that same pedestal she's in the Hall of Fame um, they put her in front of things there was the women's tournament she was one of the commentators um, so I think they have turned her around in the eyes but any last later moments? Well, no, I was going to say you mentioned about the, the tournament and she's the commentator and she's done all the kickoff shows. I don't understand how she went for such a charismatic and groundbreaking <laughs> superstar, someone who was really good at promos, heel or face, to just being so dull on on these kickoff shows. I mean, it, it can't help being around Booker T and Jerry Lawler. I mean, let's be honest, they're 
not exactly you know exuding charisma much like me on this radio show <laughs> but you know yeah, yeah, no, they are terrible from the start, but it's just like, it, it's even they took Jerry Lawler and Lita away and left Booker T. It's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm slating Jerry and Lita, but I'll take them all day over Booker T. At least they speak plain English. <laughs> well, there goes our hopes of getting Booker on in a future episode, so <laughs> apologies. Uh, ho- hopefully Stevie Ray's still talking to us. Um, something I just wanted to mention before we move on to our next topic was there was actually a women's title around at this era, um, we'd seen it, it basically created as a vehicle for Sable. Yeah. Um, it had been passed around um, to even, could anyone remember who was the only male to hold the WWF <laughs> Women's Championship? Oh, uh-huh. Harvey Whippleman. Harvey, yep, Harvey Wimpleman as Harvina. <laughs> won it in some kind of mud bowl match, I think it was, I have to remember that. and. Um, that was awe-inspiring. Um, <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you you can't achieve your dreams. A man was the women's champion. Aim for the stars. WWE had uh, form for this, didn't they? They had Whippleman winning that match, and then member Santino yeah. winning the women's match. Yeah. Yeah. Missed yeah. WrestleMania's battle. And, you, and what was so nice recently is when they had um, Ellsworth yeah. pulled down the case. That wasn't nice yep. what was what, what I liked about that was the backlash they got mm-hmm. afterwards and yep. the uproar with people saying this is not on yeah <laughs> um, and mm. them quickly realizing the, the error of their mm. way and hopefully we'll not see any of that again what what got me about that is if it was maybe the second or third women's money in the bank yeah it would have been like oh it's it's just a sleazy sleazy loser and the 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 he, the heel female is using him to get what she wants. She's no using sexuality, she's just saying she's just dragging him along basically. Yeah. I think it was the fact that it was the first one and yet out of the three incidents you mentioned, it's the most tame of them all. It's like a man won the women's title, the WrestleMania mm-hmm. Battle Royal, they cut their entrances and didn't tell you who was in it. Like even the commentators didn't know who was in it. You hear JR and Michael Gogan, is that Sonny? Th- yeah. Th- that's Tori Wilson. That's this one, that's that one. And yet that one got the most backlash because obviously it is a case of now we're seeing Charlotte, Bailey, Becky, yeah. main event and shows. It's, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess with the Women's Money Bank one as well, especially since throughout the whole the week, the week even before that, they're built not to be like the first ever this historic event and then Ellsworth came and ruined the whole damn thing. I heard it was a, I can't remember the podcast, but it was one of the women podcasters saying, I wanted the iconic view of the first woman. Yeah. I didn't care who it was, just, just I wanted a, one of the women. Yeah, and you didn't get it, you got no. James Ellsworth grabbing it and just block. Remember, um, though Death No Mercy in the N64 as well, you could win the women's title with a male superstar. Yeah. I never achieved that. I might have to go home and break the N64 out and get that one title that I never got on D'Lo Brown. Yeah, well, I do remember in that era as well, we had Trish was the hardcore yeah. champion <laughs> for a while. Yeah. So was. So we talked about Godfather. One <laughs> 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 of Godfather's hoes won it. it, and they didn't even go. It's still listed as Godfather's hoe. It's not. She, she's not even a wrestler. It was just no, a no, case no, no. She was a future women's champion. Oh, it was Victoria, wasn't it? Victoria, yeah. She was an extra on that night, yeah. and then um, went on to become women's champion. So talking to the women's championship as I started there. 
we had the um, we went through various uh, people that held it from Miss Kitty, who then became the cat when she was under China's tutelage. Um, Mula for a short spell again after a bit of disruption, and then it went to Ivory when she was in the right to censor, and had a bit of an angle where they injured our next topic of discussion. And let's keep this about her wrestling career. Who <laughs> <laughs> um, was a true pioneer in the, in terms of a woman and what they could do in wrestling? Who was China? Um, originally came in. Around about 90, end of 95, early 96, as um, attacked Marlena from the crowd. Became a bit of a bodyguard for a while, and but kind of everyone looked at her at the time and was like, that's not what women in wrestling look like. She was tall, she was muscular, um, she beat people up, a lot of resistance from guys wanting to sell for her. Um, and then kind of our character moved along. So just start, I'm just going to go around the panel and just ask about your memories of. China early, I just want to keep this when she came in in the early DX days I'm going to move on to her matches and things offer it just this time around what are your early memories of seeing China for the first time so, Ross I, I wasn't watching when they, like, they first brought her in the first memories I have of her are with Eddie Guerrero alright and uh, the two of them and I, she won the Intercontinental title again for a wee bit she won it was it Val Venus yeah uh, she pinned Trish for the title and then I remember Eddie accidentally hugging her and winning the title, which is something I'll still never get her because her shoulders were up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one of the first ones. It was just one of the first pay-per-views I watched, and then she won the title for Trish. That was my first memory. Uh, it was a mixed tag match, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Gary? Yeah, in those early days, she was a big part in helping Hunter Hearst Helmsley move yeah. beyond this boring, bland character, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, she was really unique. There was certainly nobody else like her about at the time. I remember a scene with her pretty much ragdolling uh, Marlena, yeah. really throwing her about the place. And when she became the bodyguard, she took over from Curtis Hughes, yep. <laughs> who was like the stereotypical bodyguard every time. Um, did, did, uh, clearly that character never took off but she came on board and just added something really different yep. to that pack, whole package Jamie uh, I'd more heard about China before I actually watched her the first thing I ever watched that had China in it was Wrestlemania 17 which was against Ivory for yep. the championship and it was with the whole contract signing of if she got injured again yeah it's not going to, she can't do anything, she can't blame anyone, and also then uh, nobody could interfere at ringside as well, so it was like a good story, even for like people that don't actually care about the woman at the time, it was like, oh she's broke her neck, so she's she can't possibly win this, oh my god, she's actually won it, who would have thought? And then even what she was wearing in that match, it was like top and shorts, bright purple, and she just stood out like a sore thumb. Not cause not because of the outfit, just because of the muscles. Yeah. She was like the very first woman that they didn't know what to do. She had to have that intercontinental title because there was nothing else she could do. The woman went up to her standards and she needed someone to fight against. She needed a story. They're really considering putting the actual main title on her at one point, I think. Yeah, she she was number one contender, wasn't yeah. she? and then it went to Triple H, like mm. most things do in the, <laughs> in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, when, when I first started watching it, she was the joint IC champion with Jericho. Yeah, but I do remember later on 
uh, yeah, it was like X7 matches well. She had the really cool like rocket launcher entrance. Quite like that actually. I think China had the same issue that a lot of the really good women wrestlers had. If you look back at the Alundra Blaze days mm. and then uh, the various other different points, they didn't have anybody else to wrestle. So Alundra yeah. Blaze had Bertha Fay. Yeah. Um, China, as you said, didn't have, really have anybody. And then when you get on to more recent years, and I think probably later on we'll probably talk about Trish, who had lots of great opponents to work with. But some of the early female wrestlers really missed out on having other great competitors when, to work um, against. When Alundra first, Alundra Blaze, sorry, first signed with the Japan, she went to Vince and said, like, get me women to wrestle. Then I think there was a, a joint partnership with All Japan for a while. Yeah. yeah. How, like, Bill Nakano and that came in. But really, it was just like them two, like Bertha Fay, as you mentioned, and can't remember who else, to be honest. Uh, was it Bill, Bill Nakado? Yeah, Nicano. Bill Nakano, yeah. yeah. I, I, but that was for the old Japan thing as well, though, wasn't ah, it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, and it was almost at that early one, I know we're jumping back away from uh, China here, but it was one of those where it was almost where we see Vince have, oh, let's get minis in this week, let's <laughs> yeah. have women in this week, rather than it being something that looked like it was long-term and it legs. And we've seen that from the limited, and then it went to the quite ridiculous um, Bertha Fay, um, who was quite a prominent woman wrestler um, around the territories, but when she came to WWE, was just treated as being an overweight slob who was a love interest for yeah. someone to make for comedy, and then had some matches. Yeah. The, the thing... Uh, Nathan. Nathan, sorry. <laughs> I missed the intros. <laughs> uh, the thing Nathan was saying about Alundra Blaze saying, get me women to wrestle, it just reminds me of if anybody's seen the Southpaw clip, it's Natalia playing the only female wrestler <laughs> in the territory, and a thing comes up look where they all are now, and it just says she's still waiting for her opponent. <laughs> that's probably there's a lot of truth in that because it was just treated as being an an extra, and that's what it, there is a difference now. But we're just looking at the the time period of when it wasn't. Yeah. So there's just some other China memories that I have. Um, because my wrestling interest started around, well, got back into things with that Judera, where people started sharing tapes again. So you could see things that were going on. But China was someone who was very different. She was someone of a um, much taller, more muscular, not typically pretty, in a way that we would see in a lot of what we're seeing the wrestling women of the time. But she was given that prominence, she was given that position where she was one of the main people, she was around the top performers. She was in a, one of the real valuable bits of DX um, when it was Sean Hunter mm-hmm. originally because she gave them that woman there to play the innuendo against, but she always played it very straight. And then as they moved on to the larger DX group from after Mania 15, she became a lot more involved in things and we started seeing her more in the matches. So when they were against the nation where it was needed like a fifth member, um, relationship with Mark Henry, so it showed her as being someone that she was she was um, being chased by and started to get more of that that side of things we're seeing in it but she was just went on the dates and these sort of things so she was getting involved in the stories and had her own place she wasn't just a side thing Um, then went on and we had a wrestling um, against the guys so she would uh, intercontinental title both on her own and then jointly with Jericho and at that time, according going by Jericho's uh, autobiographies, became quite difficult to work yeah. with, and yeah. relationships had to break down with Triple H, and then she went off for a while and came back and was then in the women's division, which she hadn't been in that point, and then faced Ivory, won the belt, and just not long after she won the belt, disappeared. She 
one defence against the uh, Judgment Day. Yeah. And apparently her contract was up and it was her, her herself, Jesus. <laughs> it was her herself that caused the breakdown of the relationship because apparently she wanted more money and she wanted to go back to wrestling men but at the same time being the women's champion. Yeah. And like, you know, mid-90s Vince would have probably jumped at that because he would only have had to hire her as the women's champion. And it, and it was, um, she was one of the, like, I remember talk of the time, uh, going by the journals of Power Slam magazine, as most of her news came through before we became quite well known to the internet. She's seen herself as a main eventer. She was one of their big money makers in terms of outside appearances. She had her own Playboy appearance, which again was a very much against type. Um, and the, the, and the two, she was actually in it twice, and both of them done greater numbers than I think anyone expected on it. She had outside appearances, and she was seen as another one who was like Lita, who looked different, and gave that woman that view of, it's okay to have muscles, and you can be strong, and you can still be very feminine. Um, as time went on and definitely set that marker um, and then outside the WWE and WWF she, I think she's only one of the very few women to wrestle a man in Japan um, she went on I'm, I'm not sure if it's New Japan I think it was but she went on to make a couple of appearances um, not long after she left WWE and then sadly her trouble started and she's no longer with us um, we want to look at the positives and what she did as a trailblazer and as someone who stood out and did things her way on you go. You mentioned about being a trailblazer. It's probably worth noting a few of the firsts that she done. I think she was the first female to be the Intercontinental Champion, mm-hmm. yep. first female to be in the Royal yeah, Rumble right, yeah. as well. And also, when she, if you think of the character that she went on to become in WWE, um, it was so different to the character that she came in, you know, this very stone-faced bodyguard that didn't crack a smile to be in Mamacita alongside <laughs> Latino Heat. Yeah. And and the love interest to sexual chocolate. Yeah, she definitely brought a lot of people on. Um, like that Eddie um, series really brought out his character yes. um, in a period where he was still getting his feet in the WWF and seeing what he could do and bring. And he was always known as being a very good wrestler, but that brought out the side that then really built his character for the rest of his spell until, sadly, he left us as well. So before I close off on China, is there anything else that the panel's got that they want to discuss on it at this time, or any lasting memories? <laughs> you were saying about obviously they're outside. Uh, no, 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 no. Be no, very no, careful. No, no, remember no, no, no. the time. No, <laughs> I was actually going to mention Third Rock for the Sun. It was one of the biggest comedies in TV at the time. Yeah. And she managed to land. It was a recurring role. I think she was in like at least fifteen episodes. Right. And she was love interest still. It was the skinniest family member. Right. So it was kind of like the way she was in WWF. She was the intimidating woman. Yeah. And they were the nervous wreck around her. And the other one I was going to say was, don't know if anybody's ever seen the interview, it was when her popularity was starting to rise a bit and yep. Sables was starting to go down. And it's the uncomfortable interview. I, I can't remember the show, but it's some American TV show and it's, I think it's Jacqueline Sable in China. And they asked China, when are you going to go back to the women's division, which she'd never been in before? And yep. she says, well, I've beaten men. I've won men's titles. It d- there's no women that can match up to me in the storyline. And you see Sable starting to realise <laughs> her, her her power slipping is the sex appeal because China had her work done at the time and she was a good-looking woman with muscles. Yeah. And she was able to fight the men. And she, at the time, obviously, if you were able to fight men, you were more valuable at WWE at the time. 
and you can see Sable, just watch the interview, I can't do it justice, it's a case of, she's just so, I can't use the word because of the time as well, <laughs> patronising, if you will, to yeah. China after that, yeah. just keeps cutting her out of the conversations. No, definitely, and I think, although we haven't touched very much, we've touched, well, touched on Sable at the beginning, um, there are two women who became the, the people on the posters, um, and brought the, the, the women's side of it to the front for different reasons and different ways, but they still brought eyes to the product, they made the company a lot of money, and both probably ended up forced out a little yeah. because of how popular they became and they wanted the parity that we've not seen. Um, and that's probably quite hard to explain to people who only maybe perhaps watched wrestling in the last few years, but there hasn't always been that. Um, and as I move on, um, just to give you a little break from hearing everybody, um, we've got a little clip of an interview from AJ Lee where she started to bring up the difference between the women who want to be wrestlers and those who wanted to be models who want to further their career. So we'll pass on to the wonderful tone of uh, AJ Lee and we'll be with you shortly. of a man and the other two were also there it, it was great it really was and it, it was it was the end of the world and it's only Sunday nights on the e-network when I look in that ring, honestly. A bunch of cheap, interchangeable, expendable, useless women. Women who have turned to reality television because they just weren't gifted enough to be actresses. And they just weren't talented enough to be champion. I have done more in one year than all of you have done in your entire collective careers. I have saved your Divas division. I have shattered glass ceilings. I have broken down doors. Why? So, so a bunch of ungrateful, stiff, plastic mannequins can waltz on through without even as much as a thank you? You just get You guys can't even go backstage and shake my hand and look him in the eye because you know that I worked my entire life to get here. I gave my life to this and you were just handed 15 minutes of fame. I didn't get here because I was cute or because I came from some famous wrestling family or because I sucked up to the right people. 
here because I am good. I earned this championship. And no matter, no matter how many red carpets you guys want to walk in your $4,000 ridiculous heels, you will never be able to lace up my Chuck Taylors. You are all worthless excuses for women, and you will never be able to touch me. And that is reality. Whoa! If you don't think women are explosive, try dropping one. Let's try dropping one. Obviously, Benita's champion a bit upset with the amount of fame that the stars of Total Divas have received over the... Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, on Strathclean And I hope you enjoyed that interview there. It was definitely one of the early times where a woman was given a microphone in time and a proper purchase. And that definitely one, for me, was a promo that um, sparked a lot of talk and after it and there was a bit of appeal that went around so when we come to discuss AG late, later on we'll go into a bit more detail on the influence she had on women and moving on from our last discussion point of China was the resurgence of the women's belt so after China went off to pastures new there was a tournament at um, that accumulated at Survivor Series 2001 and we've seen Trish Stratus emerge as the first new women's champion. And this seemed to lead to an era where we've seen a lot more quote-unquote wrestlers um, putting on matches rather than it being pull your hair, throw you through the middle rope to win a match. I think the women's title previously had changed hands in such the fashion. So I just want to talk through the early era, which was wrestlers such as um, so Trish that I mentioned there, uh, Jazz, Molly Holly, uh, Victoria, and we see Lita wrestling in amongst them as well. So, uh, Nathan, do you want to kick us off for this portion? Um, just thoughts or? Just just around that era, was there any kind of memorable you can remember? I remember um, Survivor Series 2002, Victoria and Trish had a hardcore match, which was really good actually. Yeah. Was, uh, I watched that yesterday, just a uh, bit of research. Um, Victoria was always someone who I thought was very underrated actually. Uh, she went to TNA. Was it Tara? Still, is she yep. still at TNA? Yeah. No, no, no. Nah, but no one's still in TNA. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I thought um, Victoria Molly Holly as well. Another one who don't gets a lot of recognition from that period. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly from that from Survivor Series two thousand one onwards, she had the first first division, I guess, a women's division for the first time. Yeah, and it were people that you've seen quite regular. Um, they were in pay-per-view matches, and it was more. We've seen less of the gimmicks, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie, I don't know. It was like it was like the first time that you ever had like storytelling within a like a female division. So like you obviously had uh, Trish and Victoria, and then you had Molly Holly and Victoria, and then with Lita in it. Um, I can't. S- it's been a while since I've actually watched any of the stuff, but that's like 
the f- if you actually want to watch wrestling, you don't want to watch anything like from 2010. You want to watch further back mm-hmm. from where it actually started, because you'd think it would it would have been like in the 80s, 90s and stuff. But this didn't actually like they didn't have a division until like 2000, and then this is where they got their chance to actually have their shot in the WWE for once, compared to obviously TNA, which was already doing it. Yeah, we'll move on to TNA a bit later, but I remember it being um, the women's title at first being a Raw-specific title when the brand split happened, so we've seen more of that there, um, and then SmackDown, where all had all the, the serious wrestling and the majority of the other stuff, had more of the kind of earlier stories, so I don't know if any of the panel remember um, Tory Wilson, not Tory Wilson's father and his unfortunate demise. Uh, Don Marie as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remember the wedding? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the type of things we've seen. So we, although we've got the serious women's division, um, we've also seen the other side to it as well. Jamie so, g- g- sorry, Gary, I was just going to move over to you there anyway, just to <laughs> say. I was just keen to pick up on something that Jamie touched on. She talked about taking, I think you mentioned something about taking advantage of opportunities, and I thought Trish is a, is a great example of that. Because if you think of Trish now compared to the her coming in as the manager of TNA she really grasped the opportunity that came came her way and to start with I mean she was absolutely she had some really terrible matches like um JBL talks about the mixed tag match that Trish was party to so she but just the way she worked at it and really I just think she's a great example of somebody that just grabs that opportunity and I, I think a lot of credit at that time was given to Fit Finlay, um, who we've seen has been quite instrumental across a lot of the eras of the women talent that we've had. Who uh, Ross? Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to set me up with one. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to stay around, just around that, that era. Um, we were talking about taking advantage of opportunities. I remember hearing about Molly Holly, knowing that they did only end up getting about six or seven minutes. They were only going to get six minutes, and it was just going to be a case of. Victoria, who's been beating Molly Holly for weeks on end, is going to beat her again. And that's when she decided herself. She went, what if they shaved my head? Like, oh, yeah. let's, let, she went, I didn't care if I won or lost. She went, I wanted a WrestleMania match. She went, and I wanted a WrestleMania moment. And it's, it's cool to look back on, but at the same time you think, they didn't even give her that moment. They cut away to the promo for Eddie and Angle. And then Kurt Angle comes out for the WWE title match at WrestleMania. And Molly Holly is still getting her head shaved. Yeah. And then by the time Eddie Guerrero comes out, she's not even had her hair cut yet. She's been whisked away. And they didn't even give her that. So it was like, it seemed at the time they were building this division with Jazz, Molly, Victoria, Rita, Trish, all great wrestlers, but it seemed like every two steps they took forward, it was four steps back. Yeah. To just, give, just not taking it seriously enough. Yeah, to give such a sacrifice like that and not to be given the time. Um, yeah. It's not as if it was something now, imagine it was one of the top female now, mm-hmm. it would be built around, it would probably cut it and say actually, we'll have the match on the Sunday but we'll put it on Raw because you know that's something that we get ratings. Mm-hmm. It's just that appreciation I think we see a lot more of now. Because um, it was the era for me where you've seen things change around, a lot more physicality, um, we see more wrestlers start to come in as time went on. So uh, the mid 2000s, they started to see the emergence of some new talent as they came in. So we've seen uh, Gail Kim, who I think won the title in her second match. Um, first match. First, first, first match. match. Was it yeah. the f- first? Uh, I thought she'd qualified, but the Battle Royal? No, she just showed up. Nobody knew who she was. 
did, I think she got a job in it. They did vignettes for her yeah. to start with. She was built up. Uh, oh, it's like it? Matrix style. Yeah, probably, Matrix yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're always on the pulse. <laughs> that 2003 vignette for that film that came out in 1999, was it not? <laughs> <laughs> always on the pulse. We'll wait to see who they've got home alone this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to go through some of those names then. Um, I'll just start across. Um, I'm going to start opposite this time. Uh, Jamie, what's your memories of uh, some of the names I've got there? And uh, so I've got the likes of Gail Kim, Beth Phoenix, Natalia, Mickey James, Melina. Um, what did they mean to you as a female wrestling fan? Well, I'm always going to be biased against Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Like, Natalia, still today, is one of those that has never got the opportunity she's deserved. Like, yes, she finally got the SmackDown Championship, but it was like 10 years too late. Um, having Beth Phoenix there, she was the glamazon. She was someone that was seen to be like, amazing and, and really beautiful and stuff even though she wasn't the typical pretty skinny female and she had the, the muscle like even when she was carrying the two females above her shoulder yep. walking around the ring with it like people people always ask you like what what made you want to like start training and that and they always wonder like you know if it's what you watched when you were younger did you ever think it's like I didn't watch any of these female mm. matches and think I want to do that I, like you don't watch like a five minute match that people don't care about and think mm. I want to do that but seeing them actually do something they wanted and even if they weren't getting the respect that they deserved or the time they deserved the fact that they were still pushing at it mm-hmm. is something that maybe I didn't think yeah I want to start actually doing this but I thought like these are great women and these are women that you should look up to but especially in my case with Beth Phoenix, she's always going to be my favourite. Especially now she's married to Edge. Ross? Some Jamie said there about uh, Natalia, 10 years too late. She actually just might, because she's, she's never one to come out in interviews and slate the company. She's always, she'll take the gimmick, she'll work with whoever, she'll, she'll never complain. She reminds me of a, a female Kane. That, that seemed to be Kane's career as well. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they do or what situation what do, and she'll make he, it work he, and still come out believable. And they're both company players. Uh, one of the things about that time I remember is the Beth Phoenix, I think it was Eve Torres, I think it was either Hell in a Cell or, no, it was uh, Vengeance. And they had an absolutely amazing, amazing match for the title. And it sounds so patronising to say, oh, those women had a good match. But at the time they were getting two, three, four minutes at a yeah. push on Raw. And you had people like Aksana in the well, the NXT season three disaster <laughs> yep. coming through, and that was that was frustrating to see because it showed you two women who were really really good and really really underrated not being given the time consistently. You're like, how how are you looking at this and not going when it a build around these two people? And then you had obviously like Jamie was saying Natalia there at the same time. Yeah, oh, certainly. Uh, Nathan, I think um, obviously you've got names like. Beth Phoenix, Natalia, uh, and such, but I think this is when the whole Divas era, I guess, kind of, yeah, kicked off, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I was watching the, the Women's Evolution episode of WWE 24, and Trish Strass says that although they could prove that they could wrestle as well as the men, management were still wanting to put them in that bracket of being, like, there for, like, eye candy type thing, and, like, wrestle, like, like you said, no more than, like, a four-minute, five-minute match, so... For a lot of these people, I think it was 
although how talented they were, they were kind of not allowed to express their talent in a long enough way in terms of match, match length. I think you'll find that's the women's evolution brought to you by Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, I know. You, you missed out that. <laughs> <laughs> Gary. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing everybody talk about Natalia, and it's sometimes easy to forget that she's been around for a long time and is still one of the best wrestlers on the roster, male or female. And I don't know if it was just me, but was anybody else really surprised when Natalia won the number one contenders match recently and then even more surprised when she won the title? I thought it was going to be like, you know, every so often it'll be like a Dolph Ziggler or Mark Henry Mm. will win a will win a match and it'll be like a case of oh it's the Royal Rumble we need all our big stars in the Rumble you go wrestle that match you know you'll get you'll get the nice payday and we're thinking oh maybe they're building maybe they're holding off or maybe a Becky heel turn or they don't want to just go oh Charlotte's from Smackdown there's the title straight away because they did that with the tag titles on New Day yeah. it was a case of oh Christ she's actually won it but like Jamie said 10 years too late yeah we just kind of got used to her almost yeah. getting there so when she got there it was kind of like oh we didn't see didn't quite see that coming um, you, when you were listening to some of the names earlier on guys um, you mentioned Gail Tim twice in WWE I think huge missed opportunity yeah. what a talented talented wrestler and twice they missed out I remember the was it one of the battle royals she was told going into her last match in WWE uh, just just don't care how you do it just get yourself out of the match as quick as possible yeah. and she threw herself over the top rope in the yeah. first minute of the match I, I don't know the reasoning for signing her the first time but the second time because she had done so much great work in TNA you know we likes Awesome Kong and ODB I think it was just a case of what WWE does sometimes there's a buzz about this guy let's bring him in but they never go what what makes this guy or girl have buzz about them what is what works to them What what's their strength no it's a case of You'll come in, you'll do it early. And that's think what Amazing, that's just going to segue me into my next discussion point, which was the difference we've seen when uh, TNA, for all it's much criticised in many things that it does, it wasn't very much a hot wrestling peak. I think if you want to watch a really good wrestling show, you can pick any TNA show from roughly 05 to about 08, and you won't go amiss with what you'll see there, with many of the names we now see headlining major WWF and WWE shows. Uh, Jamie, this was something that we chatted about before. Um, in terms of you, because I, I can't remember if I mentioned at the beginning, you are a trainee. Yes, because you did, because you pulled me up for it. <laughs> and this is something that when we were chatting about the show, you'd mentioned was an era that really pulled you into deciding you wanted to move towards it. So do I just talk us through your memories of the, the TNA Knockouts division? Oh, yeah. Um, well, early, like, WWE, obviously, like, you had Victoria, and she did great things. Like, currently, I had, like, the first Hell in a Cell match. Um, not Helen herself, but it was in the cage. Um, but then she went over to TNA, came over as Tara, showed up, motorcycle suit, motorcycle helmet, and just everyone went ballistic. Like, they couldn't believe it. And then you actually got to see her wrestle great matches. It's like, with the likes, at, and especially, like, with characters that weren't afraid, like, with the beautiful people, yeah, they were bleach blonde, they had short skirts, short tops, but they could still wrestle. Like, they were showing you, like, that is who they were. You had ODB, who was acting like a drunken fool with, like, dress kept, like, going up to a little bit too high, but she would knock your teeth out. Like, you were an awesome Kong. <laughs> you just wouldn't want to go near, man or woman. They, 
put on matches that were longer than five minutes, you actually got to invest in the characters you were seeing and you got to like you got to like them or hate them. So anytime pay per views came up or the next show came up, you, you really wanted to see more, you really wanted someone to get beat. You just wanted to keep going compared to what you got in the WWE. You, you mentioned the uh, beautiful people. I, I haven't watched a lot of TNA, but I do remember as so if they were kind of like a parody of what WWE was yeah. trying out at that time. Yeah. And then obviously they could wrestle. So I think look, you were saying that they were bleach blondes, and you know they were they were acting ditzy. I think, and even in WWE, there's still a place for that character, but don't mm, play it yeah. off mm-hmm. as the bleach blonde moron who's you know, using our sex appeal to get ahead is the face cause the, and the person that can wrestle and wants t- the championship mm-hmm. is the heel. It's the other way about, so you need to play it like that mm-hmm. and WWE for so long didn't do that. Yeah. And that was, to me, when I was watching TNA at that time, was it was the variety of character. If you watched WWE at the time, it was very diva search heavy. Um, there was a lot of people who, you, if you watched, for instance, a large battle royal, you wouldn't have a clue who was who because there was many blonde, slim, long-legged, wearing some kind of shiny tights and a tiny top and had no character development. But we've seen things in TNA that they did. You had them rising against Gail Kim being the smaller baby face against the heel monster in Kong, um, having to fight from underneath. Um, I think I remember them having a, a match. Was, what was it lockdown they called the pay-per-view? Yeah. Or the all-cage matches. That was really something to see. And given that length of time, um, we've seen them headline um, editions of Impact. Their women's title really meant something, and it was a wrestler's title, and it wasn't something you would see in a frivolous segment or something. We've seen ODB out drinking and acting big. Um, the beautiful people acting like bullies, but getting their comeuppance. It wasn't that. Um, if you're watching WWF at the time, one of the one of the more awkward segments I remember was involving Mickey James in our first run there. Um, was the like the Piggy James mm. segment that they did, and that Mickey James in no shape or form, I think, could ever be described as someone who is carrying more weight than even when she was pregnant. Remember, is that woman actually pregnant? No, but she's uh, thirty-seven. I mean, she's really old. I mean, if you watch Alexa Bliss at the minute, she's old. Well, she's not the oldest woman in WWE. <laughs> Not even close to being the oldest no, woman. I'm talking back in the day, right? Don't bring ageism into this. John Cena's in his 40s. We're oh, not gonna I'm taking the mic. Did you know remember the angle? Oh, it was, oh, it was yeah. Mickey's old. All right. That, uh, that was the current angle. Sorry, I've not watched WWE this year. So. No, no. Do you know, like, <laughs> I thought you were just having a dig there. No, no, no. No, the current angle with... Uh, sorry, the, the right, last angle... Sorry, explain that to me. <laughs> sorry, the last angle with Alexa Bliss and Mickey James was that... The Mickey was saying, you know, I was the women's revolution before the women's revolution. Yeah. And she's 37, she's not not even close to being the oldest woman in the division. And that was, they were putting like black and white films on of her like old matches. Like, we all remember it, like, if she's old, I'm old, and I'm yeah. not old. And this is an era where we talk about them getting respect, but you wouldn't see them doing that as Cena or Orton or AJ no. um, or Jericho when he comes back, who's probably the old, uh, well, they don't really have a problem with age when they're selling WrestleManias and people like Brock Lesnar, The Rock, <laughs> Stone Cold and Triple H, so, you know. We'll save that addition for another time. <laughs> We've obviously got a lot of material there. There's a lot of rage in you. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, uh, I think that was kind of one of the catalysts for WWE attempting at certain stages. So we've seen Gail Kim come back. We've seen him sign uh, Awesome Kong. 
who came in with a big debut and um, left very quickly due to pregnancy, which is on the right ground, so shouldn't be taking any risks or anything like that. And then there was certain things happen and probably didn't get the run that we all expected and there was all that build up and thought this is something they can do. So I can't remember who it was that mentioned earlier on, WWE see something hot, trying to grab it and go, ouch, that's too hot, we don't know how to deal with that. Let's just leave it there and go back to what we know. I think that's a real couple of missed opportunities that they could have moved things along um, a lot earlier. But as we did start to go on, um, we've seen two women's titles emerge. Um, we had the Divas title with his wonderful butterfly <laughs> stereotypical design, and then we had the women's championship. So there was two separate divisions, and they ge- generally jumped between Raw and SmackDown. So. Uh, very hard for me when I was looking through my history to try and track champions because I thought that'd be something to discuss but it was just way too convoluted um, looking back at that there was a lot of matches I was looking at I genuinely can't remember much of this because mm. it was these short sharp matches with not a lot of story and when you did get a story then things did stand out um, one of the more memorable long running things we talked about the, the Piggy James angle um, was um, the pairing up of Lay Cool Michelle McCool and Layla um, they seem to get more microphone time and there's a lot of nodding going around the room so that certainly tells me that it's something that um, we do have memories of It was the I, I thought Michelle McCool and Layla were good wrestlers and they mm. were they were good snidey heels but it's the you know the problem we're seeing with Stephanie McMahon at the minute, she never got her comeuppance like, and it was Obviously, there's the rumours and oh, she was dating the Undertaker. I don't think that was it. I think it was just a case of, at the time, there wasn't wasn't many good heels in the division because they weren't building them. So it was a case of well, we can't get them to come up in because they're not the effective heels. And obviously, the Piggy James thing. Even when they, I think the match at the Royal Rumble where Mickey won the title, it went twenty seconds. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like oh yeah, they get to come up in. Three weeks later, she get cake flung it and she lost the title. And. <laughs> Even, look, we're talking about heels not getting their comeuppance. They did a, I think it was, it was 10, 12 or 14. It was just everyone in the pool with a women at WrestleMania. Right. And <laughs> Vicky Guerrero won it with a frog splash. And instead of building it up, you know, it was a horrible frog splash. You know, she's not a wrestler. But instead of building it up like, oh, you know, Eddie had many great WrestleMania moments. Maybe that's a tribute to Eddie with a frog. They called it a hog splash. <laughs> and it's like, this isn't, this isn't as if it's... No, heels, it's not acceptable, but it's more acceptable if it's heels yeah. shouting at baby faces to get a comeuppance. But this was commentators who are being told by Vince McMahon to say, oh, by the way, see that really he- effective heel manager who's not a wrestler? Call it the hog splash. Yeah. Oh, Gary? Uh, it's really interesting to look back on it, because uh, when TNA were having these gr- these great women's matches that were stealing the show, WWE had the Divas such going on, and this... Uh, revolving door of forgettable characters that came through uh, all much the same um, and whilst the diva search resulted in a lot of uh, females coming onto the re- the roster that were not ready for the spots they got, and there mm. were a couple of horrendous Wrestlemania matches on the back of it, remember there was one with Christy Hemi oh, yeah. it was brutal um, so there were some of them but they're also the diva search brought if I'm not if, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's where Michelle McCool, mm-hmm. yeah. Maurice, and Layla got the breakthroughs yep. from. Maria came out as well. Yeah. Maria, yeah. And I remember watching 
one of those rare occasions. I don't think I had anything else to do this night. I watched an ECW, WWE version of ECW yeah. when they were doing the sharing with SmackDown. Right. And there was a match on it with Maurice and Michelle McCool. And it was one of the best matches I'd seen in a long time. And it was actually so, it was so good that they'd, repeat, they'd done it again right. on SmackDown. So it just shows in that case they, they you know they got a decent amount of time to have a match on SmackDown and those two wrestlers just grabbed it the opportunity that one so not, I didn't think I'd be coming here tonight to defend the Divas <laughs> such in any way shape or form which I'm not but I just thought to say it created an opportunity for a couple of really good wrestlers to come out of it. But it's kind of like tough enough you know the winners are tough enough very rarely do anything yeah. it's like it's like the second third and fourth play like you look at you know, the main roster now, Mandy Rose and Sonya Develop just went up. Mm-hmm. And in NXT, you've got mm-hmm. Patrick Clark, whereas the winner's been released. Uh, and you look at passes, I think the only winner that's ever done anything is John Morrison. And yeah. he, he's not with WWE now, but he's still doing a lot. Yeah. But there's never really been a prominent winner. Can I just say, though, that's a travesty that the Miz got to stay and Morrison had to leave. <laughs> No, no. Um, no, 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 no. No, no. The Miz, uh, the Miz is awesome. Um, yeah. Morris is doing very well for himself these days, I believe. Um, and can catch his flights unlike other people. But and there goes Evan Bourne on this podcast. <laughs> I wasn't paying for his flight. He wasn't going to go for. So, <laughs> well, if I'm, I'm not getting my train paid for Lar, but he's not getting flown for LA. Um, something I didn't really want to touch on was around the diva search and the things around it um, but I think from my view anyway and I'm going to go to Jamie as a as a trainee um, of no set gender <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you're trained two different schools you've been at the, the GPWA and through their training course and you're now training with PBW um, from my point of view, I think that the Diva Search ladies were put in a very unfortunate position because wrestling isn't something you pick up very quickly. It's something that you need to put the time and effort and you learn and you get a management for. And when you hear some of the more prominent wrestlers, so certainly William Regal always says that he was never good on WWE TV because he can't wrestle a short match. He finds that the most difficult thing to do is do a three minute match. You can go out for half an hour, but with his style, it takes a while and that's you need that ring time and that. So, as a t- through your training that you've done, um, can you give us your thoughts on, firstly, do people still have that view of women's wrestling as being the divas style, and also just in a view, just give us a bit of an insight into your training and the things that learned and how long it takes to be feel competent to then be in the biggest stage of all in front of people and could, uh, what, how would that feel like to you to be three months and then here you go, you're in front of seventy thousand people in WrestleMania. Well, thankfully, I don't nowadays. I don't think. Especially after this revolution, you're not really seen as divas anymore, like at all. But it's it's less like of being divas, more just women not getting chances at all. Like there's promotions even in Glasgow that don't even look at women correctly, like don't give them the opportunities they deserve. They don't even have female matches on cards. Um, in the way of diva search, like obviously if you. Like Nikki Bella and stuff, that she was a football player, yeah. came into this. You've got people that were models, film stars, and they've just come in. And it's not a bad thing, because obviously you get the men, football players, all the same, coming in, learning. But it does take a lot. Like your, your first week of training, you learn the bumps. You do one or two of them of each, 
you go home, you can't walk for four days. Yeah. Literally, you've just put all your weight onto your back, your front, and you've had to flip. I, I walked home, I actually went to a wrestling show that night, so I had to stand up, so that probably was a lot worse. <laughs> went home and I couldn't get up until the Thursday, and I had training again on the Sunday, and I just thought, part of me was like, why am I doing this? But also because I wanted to do it. It's for anybody that's doing it, they just have to want it. So if 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 a football player wants to come and learn how to do it, then that's fair enough. But they need to have the time to learn. Like, well, that's been like under a year that I've collectively been training, and I'm still learning new things just from like simple strikes. Um, but I agree, especially with like William Regal and stuff. It is a lot harder to work the shorter matches because. They scrutinise on everything. It's not just the moves that you need to know. It's you need to like work with the audience and the character, and you just need, you overthink everything, and that's where it goes wrong. And you see it a lot with women. Like as much as I love Natalia, sometimes her crowd works a bit. You just watch her, and even I cringe. <laughs> like you can't help it. I love Alicia Fox, and just but I don't. I don't feel like. I even want to watch it anymore. Like she's getting this push. Yeah. Bella twins. Like I've always loved the Bellas, and they're ones that people still hate on because they're good looking. They shouldn't be wrestling. Nikki Bella's gone through surgery. She's fought back. She's came back after her surgery to keep doing it. But yeah, in the people's eyes, they're not worthy because because they don't look the part apparently because they look too good apparently. Nikki gets heat all the time on her weight while you're too skinny so you can't wrestle but then at the same time Nia Jack's too big so she can't wrestle either there's certainly I think a higher level of scrutiny put on a a female performer not just in wrestling I think it's across all professions if we see some of the things that have come out in the media um, for Again, with the time of show, I don't want to draw attention to certain things, but there's certain things that get released without a female's consent, and it's the female's fault. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we don't see the guys, and I think we all know that guys send more of these type of pictures or things or items than any woman will ever send. But it's the women that see the harsh side of it, and it's not that some guys shared this. It's oh, look what they did. Um, so I can certainly see it being a harder position uh, to be put in with a shorter period of time, but to be held to the same standards as the guys who've been doing it. Because any wrestler you talk to says they don't get good in their first few years. Um, Stone Cold said it wasn't until six, seven years in. Um, there's many wrestlers who discuss that they get better wage and you learn things as you go. So say, right, three minutes, do all this complicated, intricate stuff. Try not to make it look too daft, but we're probably going to say four minutes to start with, and then by the time you go out, you're most likely to get time cut. So then you have to change it again and change it. So you can certainly see why it c- but then nobody gives the forgiveness when they don't see that side of it as the the inexperience and then also the different pressures being put across them. Um, f- thanks for that and your insight on it. And, uh, just to see that, how it feels from your side and what you're it's in. Like, it's not even from the wrestling point of view as well. It's like, for women, see all the, like, you see the John Cena's and the Drew McIntyre's doing all the interviews day by day, but then you've got the females... They don't only have to give the interviews, they have to be dolled up, they have to be their character. So it's always having your hair correct. Like look at like when you had Eva Marie, she wasn't allowed to have her brown hair 
So she got told to do something and see, if, I know the feeling, bleaching your hair every month, the cost of it, the mess of it, you have horrible brown roots showing, like you don't want that. I thought you were natural pink. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like not even just athleticism, it's you just, you as a person, you always have to have your game and it's, it's not fair, but that is the life that you choose and that is... Yeah. Sorry, Ross, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you were saying about obviously the women getting interviewed and they need to be dolled up. Something that really annoys me when women wrestlers are getting interviewed, it doesn't matter if the interviewer is male or female, it's always a surprise, (coughs) you know, in 2017 where, you know, it's not, you know, the 90s, women can do things. And it's a case of, they're always like, oh, so do you get the same opportunities men do? um, And it's always dead patronising questions. Mm -hmm. It's dead, it's dead stupid. It's never like, are you fighting this Sunday? What do you think of the matches? What do you think of this match? What do you think of, you know, this news and wrestling, this news in the world? It's always, oh, so you're a woman. And it, it's always the surprise. <laughs> and it just, it seems like these people who, it's worse when you get interviewers that don't know anything about wrestling. It just seems to be women wrestling. I would still think of it as a novelty. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's frustrating. Yeah, it's like, you don't know my gender. Like, don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, I don't feel like I've came to you in a while. Uh, sorry if I've been ignored. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I completely agree with what Ross and uh, Jimmy both said. I think, although we talk, we've talked about women's like, revolution and stuff like that as well, poems like Total Divas, I think that we still, to an extent, keep the sort of Divas tag yeah. there for like, a money reason. So I don't think we're completely away from seeing that we sort of train women in that sort of light. Yeah, um, we don't have our resident expert in Stacey in the studio today, <laughs> um, so we better not bash Total Divas too much. As it was oh, her, I love Total Divas. I, <laughs> I, I, I like that. it as well. I like it as well. <laughs> I've not watched Total Divas. I have watched the first season of Total Bellas. It's <laughs> it's wonderfully. It's a wonderful train wreck of I did not emotions. Even, I did not even know that there'd been a spin-off. So that tells you that it's been much more successful than my eyes have seen. There is a show where John Laurinaitis is more charismatic than Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is truly worrying <laughs> that that exists, that Johnny Ace, sorry, just we're talk, just to throw back to when we were talking about the, the Divas area with Kelly Kelly, do you hear how he found Alicia Fox? I want to remind you that it is no, no, 6.48 no, no, no. at the moment and we are live. <laughs> you don't give me enough credit, I don't think. <laughs> what has Stephen told you about me? No, uh, he was looking through a catalogue and it's like, were you shopping, were you doing... You know, <laughs> let's not let's not speak. Were you, just like, I'm, I need a I need a good looking woman, but, and just Vince. Got, oh, by the way, we need to conquer this demographic. Oh, we don't have enough African American women. All right, can you ask me that Bed Bath and Beyond catalogue? <laughs> I heard model in the house coat she'll do. You know, it, Apparently, uh, Vince taught Kelly Kelly how to dance as well. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Well, in fairness, you've seen Stan Bruce Pritchard. Well, the easy Yeah. Uh, you listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast and he goes into detail with Vince impression of him and it's hilarious. Um, I think that tells us that Linda is a very lucky woman yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we start to round up, I want to start talking about, because our end point today is going to be around where, quote unquote, as we've just mentioned there with Total Divas and things, that there is still that um, stereotype played upon at times. But I wanted to talk about that era leading up to before we started to see NXT put on proper 
women's matches, given length and time, etc. We did see some new and different faces, and we've seen a bit of variety again. There were some of these names came through the um, the diva search, etc. But we've seen that more um, physicality and charisma and getting the personalities across. So we've seen the, the, the Bellas come in first, playing on twin magic, with one under the ring and one out, and going back and forward. Uh, we've seen the likes of Paige appear with a totally different look. Um, who did have was one of the first NXT Women's Champions, but mm. before the, the started properly concentrating, so we'd seen matches with her and uh, Emma, who I think personally was somebody who's really uh, underused. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the examples of some of the things we've discussed before in the show is around the gaps between people coming from NXT into it, as Emma was given a persona that she just let grow naturally with the silly dancing and being a bit klutzy and then they put her in the main show and never but I was just oh she's just klutzy to start with and then it never really clicked anywhere but some of the other names I had there around that era they did start to get a bit more prominence um, they merged the titles together so I think that drew a bit more focus on the division they still had the main title was that Butterfly Divas belt which I don't think anybody's ever come out and said is an absolute favourite belt of all time um, it certainly carries an, an air probably past it, Jamie can correct me if I'm wrong but it certainly carries an era of uh, an aura sorry of being patronising oh, definitely but I will say for the love of purple I would wear it I wouldn't <laughs> have mind having it <laughs> is it purple I thought it was pink it's like purpley pink, you get like purple on the outside with the silver. It's quite yeah. nice. Oh, if I could change the word diva to polos on it and maybe something <laughs> like purchase <laughs> it. Right, we've only got a little bit of time left, right? Aye. Away from polos. <laughs> Did you no. hear him when he talked about DCT the other week? <laughs> <laughs> Aye, you're saying nobody's going to come out and say that's a favourite belt, but there's, there's children growing up watching it now that when they become wrestlers in the future, doesn't matter how good they are, it's going to be a case of we grew up watching that you know that that was cool to a five year old like ten year old me loved the spinner belt I still miss that <laughs> no, thing no. I've always I, say the spinner belt but I've still got the toy version so I'm going to bring it in for a future show <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen just punched in the air um, just before we were starting to get near the end of our time um, we've covered I think quite a lot there and it's something when we first discussed this as being let's talk about women's wrestling the focus initially was around let's talk about the modern era and the attention and things that it's getting and I'd fight up so well remember there was loads before that, we've probably got another show there and I quite surprised myself putting the agenda together for this, that there was so much, there's been stuff that I've cut out there's a lot of names on the agenda I've got in front of me that we've not covered um, we've looked at it, I feel, in a real positive light and I just wondered if there was any other memories across the panel that have got kind of any like, prominent moments that stood out or interviews or characters and Nathan's enthusiastically waving at me. <laughs> Just an interesting point, I remember um, although the term Divas I guess didn't really come into play until like, mid-2000s, 2010s, it was actually Sable who was the first to refer to herself as a Diva in an April 99 Raw. But like I say, yeah, it wasn't really until almost a decade after that that the term Divas kind of became like, known in the organisation. There's something I picked up there. Gary? Of all the names I've mentioned today, um, Sensational Sherry's not come up, and she was one of the best heel managers that I grew up watching. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember watching it and cheering very loudly whenever she would get knocked down. And she, um, so I just w- wanted to give a shout out to Scary Sherry. <laughs> as such, um, I think she was definitely another one that was ahead of her time there. And so many of the people we talked about today are a bit ahead of their time, and it's great. I think it's great that that the, the women's wrestling's moved away from being an attraction, just mm-hmm. be, being an integral part of it. And I read something recently; I can't remember exactly where I've seen it, but um, there was something. That a question was asked of Triple H about, "Well, are you going to have a spin-off women's wrestling show?" To which he said, "No, it's just a part of what mm-hmm. what we do." And I just thought, you know, and that coincided with the the losing the term diva. It wasn't. It's now just. Super, they were just referred to as superstars, which yeah. symbolically I thought meant meant a lot and was a was a really good thing for WWE to do. And it was good in that that it was Alita that unveiled the new women's mm-hmm. title. It was at a WrestleMania. It was this is the biggest focus you could get on this. Uh, whereas before we've seen a lot of mansplaining of oh look at how good the women are yeah. and a Vince or a Triple H or someone out there. So to have someone who we'd mentioned earlier on didn't have the most. Um, ceremonial exit um, to now be seen as this legend who brings these views in um, is given positions for all we said we're not fans here mostly on the, the, the pre-shows but we have seen her on things and being a colour commentator across the women's tournament and we've seen things like that come in it's good to see her given that respect um, and again to me it's completely bewildered me as to how long both of them have really been out of the ring on a regular basis but then you see the influence they have now of the new women that come in and how they mention their influences as these women. And I think when we talk about these early 2000s, imagine we could bring Trish, Lita, Victoria, Gail Kim, um, Awesome Kong. Imagine these names in the division now and you could have a, a weekly show just being this competition. And I don't mean just like an hour-long show like a 205 Live. You could have SmackDown be that and have these proper competitions with variances of characters etc Ross I was going to say obviously he brought up about the the women not being used in attraction you know it's, it's not going to be a spin off show as Triple H said have you seen the news WWE released earlier about their new show uh, no. no it's a mixed tag show mm-hmm. Right. it's going to be live on Facebook every week it's, it's like wild cat I can't mixed tag mayhem or something like that and it's uh, the fans vote for the men and women pairing they want to see and it's like a round robin tournament All right. and it actually looks quite good and the promo packages and the advertising I've seen for it so far the women and the men have been featured as heavily as each other so it is the case of you know this if this was in the 90s it'd just be like who do you want to manage The Rock who do you <laughs> want to manage Stone Cold do you really care if there's a manager there and it, it whereas now it's a case of you know they have got a lot of couples in there. I think they're trying to just uh, vote for the couple and yep. promote Total Divas, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's nice to see a show, women and men, and it's not just a case of, oh, look, there's women here. It's, you know, it's accepted, it's expected. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, as a resident woman, <laughs> um, it's been really insightful, a lot of the stuff you've shared today about how you see um, how things are and what's inspired you. And, seen you as um, a trainee at one of Scotland's premier wrestling schools um, and in the future you remember us when you become big time and <laughs> you're back here headlining the hydro and we can get you into our lovely and cosy studio here and get your views of the world as you've conquered it and uh, remember the little people 
Um, but just ask, just in, uh, we're running short on time. But just if there's it, what's your prominent, what's your real highlights of women's wrestling, and where would you, is there anything you'd like to see change? Well, as I've said, I've got my favourites through the times, like Lita and Beth Phoenix and Paige. Definitely now, they've all they've all got their p- bits to add. The one thing I will say about female wrestling nowadays is, well, firstly, they need to stop with the whole women's division. What we're all working for is to be wrestlers. Like, there's no female male; it is just wrestlers. That's something they should like look to start, start or like figure out as well as they need to stop pushing it like it's all well and good that you've got a revolution but you need to stop shoving it down people's throats like having the first everything match within the first year people are going to lose interested with the next and if you want to promote like big wrestlemania matches that the women are going to headline then you don't want to like lose momentum by having the first Money in the Bank, the first Royal Rumble and just everything going one after another. But at the same time, I hope a lot of other companies, less around the UK, more in Scotland, sort of start to capitalise on the female talent that they do have mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. There's, I've had fellow trainees that have been working at this for years, are just now getting their spots and are asking themselves, like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not getting the attention? But they deserve it. Thanks for that. Um, we're coming now to the end of the show. I just want to give a very big thank you to everyone that's came and joined us today. Uh, three new faces and our Pfeiffer. Said with disdain. I'm from club manager, so we've got <laughs> that natural border rivalry. Uh, so I have to make sure that you get across Kincardine Bridge and turn right tonight. <laughs> Don't darken our doors. Um, but a massive thank you as well to Stephen, who's uh, stepped out of the presenter chair and moved into the EP position. Um, I can tell from my headphones, everything's worked perfectly, and Kwaku is not screaming in his car. <laughs> um, <laughs> come back next week. No, this is how you do it. Um, we'll find it when he gets on iTunes. Aye. Um, so th- this, soon, th- this show is very prompt for getting itself available on social media. So if you have enjoyed tonight's show, please share uh, at Suplex Repeat on Twitter and on our Facebook page. Um, Eat, well, search Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I think I've got that right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the show normally up um, within 24 hours, so you can let people know if it's been a good listen, give us any feedback, positive or negative. Um, we'll uh, here to improve for you. So I'd just like to go around and thank everyone. So thanks, Ross, Gary, Jamie and Nathan. Uh, I've been Stephen Louch at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Next week, tune in for our show on the demise of WCW as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Starcade. And I think that will be, uh, there's been a lot of talk already, and I think that's going to be one of our really good in-depth shows where we get that detail. And again, might even hear some Judy Bagwell on a poll chat, as mentioned <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> Apologies, we had to skip that. So thanks, everyone, and good night.